Hi, I'm Rowdy McLean and this is the Player Bigger Game podcast where you come to get tips, tricks, ideas and interviews with fantastic people that are able to help you play a bigger game in your world and we've got somebody really special for you today. A few weeks ago, one of my clients asked me to put together a team building day. Their one criteria, it had to be absolutely top of the tree, unforgettable, something that people could do that they would never, ever get the chance to do again. And so we put together a fantastic day, but the best part of it is we had a couple of the girls from the women's rugby team who won the gold medal at the Rio Olympics come in and they were just unbelievable and the co-captain of that team Shannon Parry is with us today how are you Shannon? Very well thanks Rowdy thanks for having me. No it's good to have you on it's good to, I love the conversation that you guys had with my clients and I just had to get you on the show as you know we had Tim on last week Tim's your coach for those people who don't know and if you didn't hear Tim's talk about coaching uh, 12 people to win a gold medal and he didn't get one himself, then you should go and listen to last week's episode. <laughs> but uh, Shannon is the co-captain of that team that went to the Olympics and created history. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Shannon, just tell us a little bit about uh, you, where you grew up, You know, what have you been doing with your life before the Olympics come around? Yeah, right. Well, um, growing up, born and raised in Brisbane on the Bayside and I guess for me, at the age of 18, I was sort of looking for a bit of a new challenge and I guess I sort of fell into the sport of rugby. I was lucky enough to be introduced to two Wallaroos at the time by my brother at the local rugby union club at East in Brisbane and, you know, the next year I was old enough to play and I thought, oh, oh okay, I'll give it a go and committed to it and, yeah, I guess from there, the the rugby journey took off and 2010 I was fortunate enough to to make my debut for Australia in 15s and then the following year made the transition to fifth uh, to seven sorry so and then I've been a professional athlete since 2014 uh, where we became obviously professional down here in Sydney on the northern beaches and we're very lucky to to represent Australia at the Olympics and um, come away with a gold medal and we're very much unaware as to how much our victory had touched the nation until we got back. So it was has been a, a very busy month or so but enjoying it and celebrating it with everyone. Uh, so that's my rugby and then... I um, finished my university degree in teaching. So before I moved down to Sydney, I was a full-time teacher in the Bayside region and, you know, was loving life but was then lucky enough to be handed an opportunity to come down to Sydney and play rugby full-time and, I guess, chase my Olympic dream and, you know, it became a reality in August this year. Unbelievable. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. But were you a sporting person in Brisbane? Was was sport your thing? Yeah, growing up on the Bayside, I went to Wharton Bay College. And that was very much a educational but a sporting school as well. And, you know, from a very young age, I was encouraged to participate in sport by my parents who were both rather sporty. And for me, that was a way to, to network and socialise with my peers. And it was something that I loved being outside. And, you know, that's how I ultimately fell into to PE teaching, to be honest. I love being outside. I love being amongst the students and, you know, teaching them and seeing them grow. So I was very lucky growing up amongst a sporting family and they were always supportive of me driving to the the various sporting fields around (laughs) Brisbane or dropping me early to trainings at school or picking me up late. So I was very lucky to have such a supportive family growing up. 
I bet you there's plenty of uh, mums listening. You know, mums taxi on the Saturday morning oh, yeah. that gets around yeah. all the sporting <laughs> venues. Wondering Definitely. if uh, one day one of their kids might grow up to go to the Olympic Games. Did you, when you were growing up in Brisbane and you're, and you're a sporty, come from a sporty family and, and you're a sporty type of person, did you ever imagine for a minute that you would be standing on top of the podium at the Rio Olympics hanging onto a gold medal? I guess for me growing up, my first Olympic memory was that of Kathy Freeman when she won gold in the 400 in Sydney and that was sort of my first, I guess, moment that I can recall about the Olympics and I thought to myself, gee, you know, that's pretty cool if to become an Olympian, you become, I guess, an elite part in society and, you know, it always just sort of lingered around and then when it was announced back in 2009 that rugby sevens would be an Olympic sport, that sort of, I guess, changed me in the direction that I needed at that point in time and, you know, from day one, I was determined to, to make things happen and, you know, hope, hopefully fulfil my dream of becoming an Olympian. And I was lucky enough this year to get that opportunity. Yeah, pretty incredible. And I'm, so you said something interesting earlier that uh, you had the opportunity to pack your bags, give up teaching and move to Sydney. Now, people may not have done that in, in chasing down their hopes and dreams. You know, doors open and people don't always walk through them. What, what was the thing that made you give up a successful teaching career for the opportunity to maybe go to the Rio Olympics? I think for me, I was very comfortable teaching. I was very happy with where I was at um, in my teaching. But, you know, I looked at the big picture and I thought, you know, Shannon, you've got to be realistic. How many people can you name that are an Olympian or potentially won a gold medal or a medal at the Olympics? And, you know, I could count them on one hand, the people that I personally knew. And I thought, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can always fall back to teaching. I know I've got that degree behind me. I, I can teach. Um, but for me, it was about taking a chance. It was about taking a risk. Um, and, you know, to this day, my parents will both tell anyone that they speak to that, you know, they never thought I was going to leave home. <laughs> and that happened when I was 24. And, you know, I, I took a punt and moved down to down to Sydney in January of 2014. And to be honest, I haven't looked back. And I'm, I'm very thankful of the support network that we have down here. It's very much a, a family-orientated team that, that Walsh has got under control. And, you know, I think that's honestly what made the transition so easy. Firstly the initial steps to take that risk and take that punt and then just the, the unity that we have and the culture that we have down here at the Australian Sevens team. Yeah, we talked with Walshy last week about uh, how he went about building the culture and some of the quirky things that you guys do <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the words that you guys live by to, uh, to create, well, first of all, the World Cup win was the first thing, wasn't it, or the World Championship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Obviously, a big tick for us, I guess, our theme for this year was dominance and destiny. And for us this year, we wanted to claim the World Series, the first time male or female and Australian team had done it. So that was a massive achievement for us in itself to, to tick that initial box. And then for us, to be honest, it was very short-lived celebration. We got a long weekend and, you know, had the weekend up 
up the coast with family and friends and then it was straight back to business because we were 60-odd days away from attending our first ever Olympic Games. So, But, you know, we, we had the time off after Rio to celebrate with family and friends and, you know, just semi-reflect on the very successful year that we've had. I imagine that uh, the whole experience has had its ups and, ups and downs, like the journey from packing your bags, moving to Sydney and then, you know, becoming a professional athlete and working in it day in, day out. It must have its ups and downs. When when you're doing it tough, how do you get back in the game? Like when you're on the downer, how do you reset and get going again? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, it's been it's been a roller coaster ride. You know, you have your highs when you're you're at the peak in your performance and, and you're winning tournaments and then you definitely have your lows. Like in the first year we won, we came second and then we came fifth and seventh and it was a true test of character to bounce back and, you know, we ended up second overall that year and I guess for us you're always going to have your highs and you're always going to have your lows. That's just the reality of sport, whether your low is losing or possibly getting injured and that's something that you've just got to bounce back and, you know, I always look at the goals and what I'm I'm trying to achieve. Yes, you're going to have bad days on, on the training paddock but you've got to make sure that you make every day count because the day that you're not, I guess here for the right reasons is the the day that you probably shouldn't be playing the game anymore and I've always been a firm believer that if you love it that much to do anything for it um, and to try and be successful. Now I know that you guys are extremely professional because I listened to you talk to our uh, to one of my clients for half an hour but I know that you also have a little bit of fun. Where does, how does that come into it? Yeah, I, I guess for us, like we all, we have a a ver- much variety, I should say, of of peers amongst us at the moment. We've got anyone from thirty two to seventeen, so it's definitely about making it. I guess a, trying to make it a happy family, and everyone's been united to achieve one dream, and that was obviously to win Olympic gold. But Tim Walsh has always known that us as females, whenever we're having fun and cracking jokes and singing songs. We feel good about ourselves, and when we feel good about ourselves, we play good footy. So there's a bit of a story behind our final at the Olympics. And, <laughs> you know, we were singing and dancing and yahooing in the change room before we before we went to step out on the field. And, you know, I'm sure that people walked past and thought, oh, look at those hooligans in there. They're, they're not focused and they're not ready to take on the final. But to be honest, that's how we prepare and that's how we've prepared from day one we, we sing our song we, we get the feelings right and you know you see those smiles on the girls faces and you just know and especially that night I knew that something special was going to happen it was just a matter of time so we've got a very much a family orientated culture down here and that's something I believe while we have been so successful that everyone just wants to work hard for each other and everyone's chasing the same dream no matter your you know one to 12 that went to Rio but it's the whole squad effort you know everyone put in a lot of hard yards over the year and it's a one to 21 and then our management as well it's interesting that you talk about and and i love the story about the the listening to the music and singing and having fun because i think when we're trying to achieve goals or you know we we get quite serious about whether it's losing weight or or getting a promotion or saving to buy a new car or a house or something we can get really really serious about it and sometimes we get so serious about it that it 
actually detracts from our performance. So you, you're saying that you guys do that as part of a just relaxing into getting ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. For us, it's about getting, getting that balance right. So it's about getting the balance where I'm ready to perform on the field, but I'm not so nervous that I'm going to underperform. So it's about sort of finding that happy medium so that you know that I've had my moment to myself to focus and, you know, run through a few game plans, what my role is amongst the team, so you're clear on that role. And then it's, you know, it's two minutes to, to let your hair down, belt out a few tunes. And, you know, it's almost like the calm before the storm in, in terms of when you go out onto that field. But it's just a moment together as a team that, you know, we're here to do business skills. So get yourselves ready for battle. And honestly, that's how we prepare for the battle. <laughs> that's awesome. And, uh, so tell me, and I think everybody's been hanging to hear this. What was it like? What was the feeling like when you actually knew that you'd won the gold medal? It was absolutely incredible, to be honest. You just I was actually on the sideline. I'd been just subbed out of the game, and the counter was going down, and I was like, okay, we can't let them score. And then it was 20 seconds to go. The hooter went, and they finally scored. And I was like, looked and turned around to Walshy and other people that were on the bench, and I was like, we've just won a gold medal. This is insane. <laughs> and the final whistle went. The green and gold army was just up in roar. There was beers going everywhere. There was high fives. There was hugs. It was it was an unbelievable sight. And everyone, I think it was just honestly absolute jubilation about what we had achieved. And, you know, it's finally come true because we've been training so hard for that for the past two and a half years. And for it to come down to one day, 20 minutes each way and you know we had the pressure going in there we were ranked one um you know our head was on the targeting block and you know it's not always the best to go in their favorites and it's something that we're able to achieve going in there as favorites and come away with the gold medal so but it, winning that gold medal that final whistle and then it was just sheer excitement you know wow we've just won this gold medal so Honestly, most of it is a blur. All I remember is jumping into the grandstand and, you know, having a bit of a tear and a cry of my mum, dad and my brother that were in the stand and it was just emotional. There was, as I said, there was beers going everywhere and high fives and hugs and tears and, yeah, it was just an incredible, incredible moment that I'll never forget, that's for sure. Incredible. And it is incredible. And, and we talked about this when you were speaking with my client, but the great thing about your gold medal is that it's history-making. In other words, nobody else will ever win the first gold medal in women's rugby sevens at the Olympics ever. So you've got that for the whole of time. It's pretty incredible, really, isn't it? It, it is incredible. I have to pinch myself all the time when I, I go to get my gold medal out. And, you know, some days you just think, wow, this is insane. I've achieved a gold medal. And you sort of check that it's in the safe. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it is actually there. This did actually happen. So, yeah, and that, I guess that's a, a nice touch. Obviously, we had a first this year winning the World Series, first time male or female. And then to be the first to win an Olympic gold medal, that's, you know, as you said, that's something that no one can ever take away from us. You know, it's an incredible feat that this team and this squad has achieved. And, you know, without the hard work of our, our management and our staff and Tim Walsh leading the charge, it, it simply wouldn't have happened without them. Did the whole, did the team become like instant famous? Like we're getting around the Olympic Village and people going, I wonder who they are, and suddenly they're going, oh, they're, they're the, the Australian women's sevens rugby team. 
Yeah, I definitely think the first few days in the village for us was before we competed and we didn't, like, we knew people but they didn't really know us who I guess we were, like, the first lift I was in with Sam Stozier and Alicia Mollick and I was starstruck. I grew up playing <laughs> tennis and I was like, oh, my God, they're standing in the lift next to me. Like, is it bad if I ask for a selfie? That sort of thing. And, <laughs> and then the next lift was Andrew Bogan and Matt Delvedova. So I was the first couple of days I was just bamboozled. I was like, these are people I've just seen on TV, like, followed their careers. Like, it was insane. Um, but then, obviously, we competed and, you know, we had a, a good day one. And then day two, he's had a bit of a hiccup against America. And then we won against Spain and then, you know, the final day it was sort of like, okay, these girls are going to do things. And then we made it through the final. We had so much support. We had an athlete hub at the bottom of the village and that's where you could go and watch Channel 7's coverage of the Olympics. So they had a stream going through and the hub had about 100 people in there. It's only a room that really fits about 30, but they just (laughs) packed them in there like sardines and everyone was cheering for us and, yeah, as soon as we came back to the village, you know, all the Australian athletes were there to congratulate us and, you know, oh, you're the Rugby Sevens girls, congratulations, you know, like it's a great result for you girls and everyone was just so happy and I guess so proud of our, our achievement in winning the first ever gold medal and, you know, we didn't really know many people going in but at the end of that everyone knew who we were and it was sort of, I guess, different for us because we're just, you know, laid-back people that just go about our job day in, day out and play footy and hope to represent our country as proud as we can. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great thing that you are so down to earth. And so people would have went from you you wanting selfies with them to them wanting selfies with you, is that right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, do you have your gold medals? Like, oh, yeah, here it is, you know. Like for some people, they they always dream of being an Olympian and then seeing a medal and then getting their own. And for us, we were so lucky. We sort of did it all in one. You know, our first Olympics, we got to experience the whole Olympic vibe and the Olympic village. And then we had the cherry on top of winning a gold medal that so many people do years and years and years of training for to, to achieve that. And to even get to the Olympics is a phenomenal achievement in itself. Yeah. And, and so... You know, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the Play Bigger Game podcast is I love the fact that you are so down to earth. And, you know, even though you've achieved something absolutely remarkable, that you are quite practical about it. So for those people that are listening, have you got some, you know, that are thinking about, well, maybe they could make the next Olympics in Tokyo or even if they just want to sort something out in their world or their life or their family or their job what are what are Shannon's quick tips for playing a bigger game yeah I think for me it comes down to three things to be honest the first thing would have to be to obviously set goals but set goals that are short term and long term but they're achievable but they're also slightly out of reach so they push you just that little bit further um the second one would be definitely to surround yourself with positive people that's a a massive one for us is you know have people that are on the same wavelength as you and you know they have a smile on their face and you know you can rely on them if the going gets tough to you know go and have a coffee with with your friend and you know just talk about things but 
they're always positive and they're very clear about what what you're trying to achieve with your career or your sporting aspirations and the third one would have to be a commitment if you're going to achieve something you've got to be full throttle at it and you've got to be 110 percent committed to it it's that sort of i'm 90 percent committed i'm 10 percent not it's that's when you know goals aren't achieved and you know you sort of dip that little bit short so they're probably my three things you know set the goals but be realistic about it Make sure you surround yourself with positive people and then you've got to be committed at 110%. Awesome. They're great tips for everybody that's listening in. So uh, we're going to wrap up soon, but what's the future look like for you and the rest of the team? Well, first of all, do you have a future beyond the team or are you just committed to the rugby team for the time being? For me right now, Rowdy, to be honest, I'm committed to the team. I've got one more year on my contract here at the Australian Sevens and for me, my next goal, my next big goal is to um, play at the 2018 Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast. Awesome. It'll be the first year that women's rugby sevens will be inducted. They've always had the men's, but it'll be the first year for the women's. And I think for me to play on home soil, that'll be, if my career was to finish up there, I would be more than happy. And, you know, if, if it goes on a bit further to obviously 2020 Tokyo, that you know, that would be another massive achievement if I am to, to stay in the game that far. And we all know that, I guess, rugby is, is a contact sport and we have to be realistic when the, when the body's had enough, the body's had enough. So for me, you know, I've had a sensational career if it, if it is to end shortly, but I've always got the backup of a teaching degree and I always love teaching kids and seeing the growth and development in their skills. So for me, if it's in rugby, fingers crossed 2020 Tokyo, I'll be there. And then, you know, post-rugby looking to, to get back into the teaching sector. So I'm, uh, I'm based on the Gold Coast. So 2018, I'll be there cheering Perfect. you on from the <laughs> sidelines. Perfect. Sounds great. So uh, just before we wrap up, so one of the things we've started to do in the Play Bigger Game podcast, and we've started to do this because I think some people just take life, goals, and the world way too seriously. So every time I get a guest on, I'd like to ask them this question. What's the one thing that has made you smile or laugh today? Um, you saying that has made me smile. <laughs> um, but no, I, th- I think for me, like, you know, just getting up every day and having, I guess, my goals and what I'm trying to achieve for it sort of ignites that little bit of, I guess, inner desire in me. You know, I'm getting up for the right reasons. I'm getting up to achieve something for the day or I'm getting up to, you know, further develop my skills as a rugby player and, and achieve my next goal. So, you know, you always try to get up, even if it's dark and gloomy outside, get up with a smile on your face. And, you know, if you smile at someone down the street, I guarantee you get a smile back. And, you know, that might be what that one person needs to, to get, I guess, change their day. Yeah. And does your smile get bigger if you've got a gold medal? Oh, definitely. My <laughs> cheeks are still recovering from how many pictures and how many selfies I've had to take, but that's all part of the journey and that's all, it's there to be shared with everyone. So, you know, if you get sore cheeks after taking too many photos with your medal, I'll do that every day of the week. <laughs> Shannon, it's been 
absolutely fantastic having you on the show and having you speak to my audience and I know that you'll probably be doing a lot of it you're really good at it I love how grounded and down to earth you are and how easy you can share the tips and tricks and ideas that you have used to make yourself successful so on behalf of everybody on the Play Bigger Game podcast congratulations and all the best in 2018 and possibly 2020 in Tokyo thanks for being on the show no worries at all thanks Rowdy